Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Hi, and welcome. I am Ellen Trackman here with Jennifer White. Hi, Jen. Hello. How are you? Uh, I'm good. So we always like to do like get to know you or late, latest topics. And I feel like everyone knows us by now because you're, you're all right? listening there... to the hundredth and I don't know what happened, 40th. Episode. There's no secrets anymore. <laughs> so you know all about us. But do you know Jen's favorite seat on an airplane? You know, Jen. what's sad is that actually, I actually have like when I book my own travel and book my own seats, I really do almost always sit in the same seat every single time. So. Oh, not, I mean, we're not just talking like window, middle aisle. You're like, oh, oh we like, could, like I feet. actually quite literally. Yeah, no. I actually literally have like a one, a row that I almost always book. Every is this time. like, what's your favorite date? And you're like, April 25th. April 20th. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, okay. So I am a, a window seat person. What about you? Okay. Uh, wait, but is there a number too? Are you like, uh, I almost always book 10A when I book. Oh, for yeah. superstitious reasons or because you can get out early? No, you know what? The funny thing is, I swear it's like almost always the first one where there is not somebody in the middle seat usually mm-hmm. by the time I'm booking flights. <laughs> Oh, so Southwest, it actually has well no southwest is like you you get on in like whatever the oh, yeah. yeah that but like when i book like and can book my own seat yeah. um yeah there's just i always pick the one that i can doesn't have a middle seat like booked next to me already and it's almost yeah. always 10 i swear i've noticed like, like a pattern like other people next to you Ew, i that... do not like other people to touching to touching me on the airplane <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay, what about you now that everybody knows my neurotic weirdness and looks for me in 10A everywhere they go? I I would say I am I would be a window person if I had a choice, but really I just don't want to be an aisle person because I feel like that's where they like bang your elbow. I also don't like um, people having to climb over me, so there's that or having to get up and down for other people. But really, I mean, like recently I've flown with my kids and I have to be in the middle to like stop like aggressive, like Mm. fighting between them. But so right middle window. So you're like flights without children on them or your own children on them are actually your favorite flights, (laughs) your favorite seats. (laughs) They've gotten pretty, they've gotten beyond the point of just like kicking the seat behind in front of them. So things have gotten better. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm like, cause those, yeah, not so much. Although I actually turned around and like looked at somebody the other day cause I was like, oh, there's a kid kicking my seat and it was an adult. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) Wow. Well, this is not what everyone is here for, we know. So let's go on with this great interview. Welcome, Sasha Swift, to the podcast. Sasha, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Uh, I always like to start by giving a little bit of background information about our guest. Do you mind telling a little bit about yourself, where you are, um, things you'd like to share to let people know about yourself? Sure. Um, I am 26. I have a seven-year-old daughter, so I had her when I was 19, and she was not planned, of course. And since then, I have donated eggs to two different couples, and I know of at least two babies. There could be more. Um, And that was a really rewarding process. I love that it was something I was able to do. I loved being a mom so much. I was glad to be able to share that experience with somebody. And in the last couple of years, my husband and I have had a hard time conceiving. 
And their guess is that I have PCOS, but no one has given me a straight answer yet. And trying to get any answers with fertility things, it's like pulling teeth from my doctors. No one will acknowledge that there's a problem. I had a miscarriage in January. And since then, it seems like it's just an uphill battle. Wow. So let's go backwards. I mean, honestly, I mean, I I don't want to like take away from that because that's obviously, you know, the the pain and trauma of now, but, but go back to the kind of the beginning of that fertility side of the the journey and things. What, at what age did you decide to donate eggs and what made you want to do that? I think the first time I donated eggs, I was 21. Um, I have the most incredible stepmom in the world, and I watch her struggle with fertility issues my entire life. She's been around since I was six, and she's always wanted kids and was never able to have them. I learned uh, probably about a year ago that they spent well over $100,000 trying to have a baby, and it just never happened for them. So I watched what that could do to someone, and about the time that they had accepted that they wouldn't be parents uh, biologically and they were going to adopt... I told them I was pregnant with their grandchild. (laughs) Oh, wow. So they changed their mind. They did not adopt. Uh, They spoil my daughter. Absolutely rotten, of course. How did they take that news? That must have been really hard after all that fertility treatment and their long journey time. I I was 18 when I told them, so I didn't have um, quite the wisdom (laughs) that I do now, and I didn't sugarcoat it. I got to their house where I was staying for the summer after I was, uh, I was in college living in the dorms, but over the summer I was staying with them. And I woke them up at maybe 1030 at night and I just spit it oh, out. You woke them up. Wow. I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I couldn't keep it in anymore. I was tired of keeping that all a secret. And so I, I woke them up and I told them and my dad just kind of blinked for a little bit. <laughs> <sighs> And my stepmom just said, wow, okay. And she didn't talk while they processed, which I think was probably the safest option in hindsight. (laughs) And then um, my dad mentioned my daughter's dad's name and said, when I see him, I'm going to poke him in the nose. (laughs) Poke him in the nose. (laughs) Yeah. My my dad's not a small guy, but he's smaller than my daughter's dad. And uh, I think he knew that it wasn't a fight. Um, And in a moment of panic, I'm certain, my dad told me that they would be more than happy to adopt my child. Oh, wow. And I, like this, I got this twisted feeling in my stomach and I said, you Mm. can't raise my child as my sibling. Mm. And the look on his face of just realization, like, yeah, you're right. That would be weird. (laughs) Um, There's definitely stories of that happening and people where that was a situation. Yeah, definitely. Interesting to be in that place where you're considering it or it was put on the table I have younger siblings my youngest brother he's 14 so he already feels like a baby to me um (sighs) he and I are farther apart than he and my daughter are in age so I didn't need another baby sibling running around um and I swear the day that I told my dad I was pregnant his beard started to turn gray (laughs) (laughs) and it has spread but they have I think once they got past the shock of my child is going to have a child and came around to the I'm going to be a grandparent that's where the excitement started and they absolutely love it it's their favorite thing oh that's wonderful I mean that's that's wonderful that that turned that way something Mm -hmm. that that could have been very difficult for them and may still have been just you know in the background kind of thing but right 
Um, so then what led you to, to, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you, you have a baby at 19 and then somewhere around when your little one is about two, what led you to start thinking about egg donation? Um, part of it. So my daughter's dad and I are no longer together. It was a very toxic, bad relationship, but I was essentially supporting a family of three on part-time income. And I was looking into things that I could do to make a little extra money so we could buy a house, stop renting. I was tired of it. 21 and very wise, of course. And uh, I saw some post on Facebook, I think it might have been an ad, saying you could donate eggs. And so I started looking into that and I realized like, these are eggs that they're not taking from what I could use in the future. They're taking what would be wasted, essentially. And uh, my daughter's dad at the time, he didn't want any more kids. He didn't want marriage, any of it. I was like, well, they're going to waste. I saw what this put my stepmom through. Maybe I can help somebody. And so I connected with a wonderful organization in California and really bonded with the cycle coordinator that I met. And even now, like, she'll still text me and check in on me. Oh, that's Aww. sweet. Yeah. Um, but once I talked to her, it was just like, I knew that this was something that I should do, that I can do. And being able to help someone in that way was very rewarding. And I was able to buy a house. So that's certainly a perk. But there you go. See? I did it again when I didn't need to buy a house. Right. So when you went through it, and I mean, I think because a lot of people, I mean, we, we definitely don't, we don't get an opportunity to talk to people who donated eggs out often. Like, what was the process like for you as in like, you know, I guess getting, and I'm going to say getting picked because that feels, it feels <laughs> weird to say that, but I mean, it's part of it, right? Like, like. Did you have thoughts at that time about it being an open or known donation or anonymous? What was the agency telling you in those points? And and how did that part of the process go for you? The agency had um, recipients who were any of those options. So completely closed, partially closed, or completely open. And did you have opinions on it and what you wanted? What I explained to them was my stepmom is my mom. She's amazing. And we're not blood. We don't have to be. So as far as I can see, if you look at the reverse, being blood doesn't make you family, just like not being blood can make you family. Um, So I told them I was open to whatever the recipients wanted. What they ended up doing, uh, the first family I donated three times. The third time was because, so they asked me to donate the second time, and then the freezer failed at the fertility clinic. So I did it a third (gasps) time, and the clinic paid for me to do this. Oh, wow. wow. Everything worked out. I know of one baby. I'm born, I want to say December of 2018. My daughter is half Hispanic and this baby looks just like her except white. <laughs> so oh, that was funny. Um, but they ended up doing a mostly closed coordination. Um, so they know my first name and then I had a donor number assigned to me and everything was just signed with my donor number. I only knew their initials and that it was uh, a male couple, two men. And beyond that, I don't know much. Uh, I did get to know the baby's name, but the really exciting, scary, freaky, fun thing that happened is I got a notification about a month ago on 23andMe that I had new relatives, and I figured it was like another fourth cousin or something. Two of my egg babies have 23andMe accounts, which you're not supposed to do until you're 18, so I thought I had 15 Uh more years to deal with this. Wow. Yeah, so that was a fun little shock. Um, I reached out to the cycle coordinator and told her just because I wanted to be transparent in case they weren't comfortable with that and told her, I'm fine with it. It's a little weird, but it's fine. And they haven't blocked me. So it still shows that I have two sons on 23andMe. Have you communicated with through that account at all? 
I haven't. Um, they have my. Con- they can get my contact information through the agency if they need anything, especially questions health related. Um, we have agreed that the I call them my egg babies. I don't know if that's it's how I can justify that I'm connected to them without actually being their mom. So egg babies. Um, when they're 18, they are welcome to have my contact information if they want it. 18 was the age that their parents had agreed on. So I haven't reached out. I don't want to be the one to make that first move, but I noticed that they hadn't filled in some information like, where's your maternal grandfather from? Where's your maternal grandfather? So I thought about filling in that information for them, but I've just left it alone. Yeah. And I assume they're, I mean, they obviously are still minors at this point too. So there could be just some of that as the preservation of the parents. Yes. Um, the older one that I know about that they actually told me existed. I believe he was born December of 2018. So he's not even four yet. Okay. And then the other one looks like he's maybe a year and a half, two years old. Interesting. So, so beyond, I mean, and, and that was the, was that the end of your egg donation journey? I did one other cycle for a couple. Um, I don't know where they were from. Our contract was in Chinese. So there's oh, wow. that. <laughs> but Wait, I did my what? cycle in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. You didn't, uh, you didn't sign a contract that you didn't. There's a translation, right? Oh, yeah. No, I, I signed the translated <laughs> version. They signed the other one. We combined signatures. It all worked fine. Um, yeah, but that was in Las Vegas. And they were not based in the U.S., but I guess they were here sometimes. That was the only cycle that I had any negative reactions to. And that one was awful. Oh, no. And I do not recommend that place. What happened? Oh, um, so I, with PCOS, typically higher AMH, higher egg reserve, all those lovely things that make you a great egg donor and things that make it really hard to have babies. Um, they counted over 80 eggs with all the medication <gasps> they put me on. Whoa. And they stopped counting at 80 because they ran out of lines, not because I ran out of eggs. What? So then I went in for the egg retrieval. They put me under like every other time everything was fine I had more medications this time which sucked for more needles but other than that it was about the same and uh I woke up and I said I'm sorry I'm a little competitive last time I donated eggs they got 50 I'm really hoping you got more and she said oh they stopped at 33 oh so So I had to stop taking them out at 33 Uh uh-huh so I had to pass 47 eggs Oh, and wow. uh, occasionally when there's abdominal surgery, I guess people get like a gas bubble trapped in their body and it causes really mm-hmm. bad back or shoulder pain. I had that. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. I couldn't lay down, sit down, stand up. Whatever I was doing, I had to stay exactly like that. Um, wow. The retrieval was on a Thursday morning and they sent us home on Friday. And they said, if you have any of these symptoms, call our 24-hour nurse line right away. I was so sick. I was throwing up. I only threw up once during my pregnancy. I don't throw up. And uh, they called me back on Tuesday (laughs) and said, oh, it's probably just the antibiotic we put you on. Stop taking it. And I said, well, that's great because it was a five-day supply, so I've taken it all. Oh, my goodness. It was awful. And I have never had cramps that bad. I have never been in that kind of pain, even like pre-epidural when I was in labor. Nothing compares to this. It was awful. And even before that, they sent me... um, what was it? They sent me one inch needles for my subcutaneous injections. Ooh, that's, they sent uh, me, that's not subcutaneous. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, they sent me three ml syringes when I was doing like 0.2 ml doses. Oh. So you couldn't even see the mark on the thing. And the coordinator for the fertility clinic said, just do the best you can. 
didn't even try to fix it. So I went to Walgreens pharmacy and I was like, I'm not a drug addict. Here's my, my fertility orders. Do you have any diabetic injections needles? Can I please have those? (laughs) So I ended up having to buy my own and the clinic just didn't even try to help. So, and I've been asking, I mean, obviously you, you liked your agency, so this is not Mm -hmm. me trying to say like, you know, (laughs) and throw shade against the agency at all, but like, were they helpful in advocating in at least like the the needles and medication and stuff like that were they a good resource for you through that process or or are they pretty hands-off in in that I don't I don't know just because I'm not part of agencies on that side they would have been amazing if I had told them um so I told her afterwards I said I just want you to know that this was a terrible experience if you have any way to steer future clients away from this clinic I highly recommend it here's everything that happened everything that went wrong how they treated me and she said, why didn't you tell me? And I said, yeah. I wasn't going to call you on a Saturday morning, Joanne. You can't just send me needles. I could drive two minutes to Walgreens and handle it myself. I didn't need to bother you. Wow. So she, yeah, this is in no way a reflection on the clinic or the agency that I worked with, only the fertility clinic that was in Las Vegas. Wow. Okay. <laughs> And then you had to fly home doing all of this as well, I assume, right? Because, and I think we did not disclose, but you're, were you, were you living in Colorado at the time? Yes. Okay. So, yeah. So then you had to travel too. Did you fly? Did you drive? How did you do that? We flew and trying to walk through security and even just like standing in line to get on the plane. I was not doing so hot. (laughs) Um, My husband has never been that concerned about me and he's seen me through like, asthma attacks and brown recluse fights and weird allergies so this was the worst by far wow okay so by the time of this last donation so this is technically donation four right Mm -hmm. is that that we're at and was that the that was the end that was your last donation that was my last one yes that was june of last year so oh okay so during the pandemic too just to make it more fun oh yeah it was great (laughs) um so so by then you're married now too so how did that change how you I mean I know it sounded like you were partnered the first time but how did that change the whole process for you that you know like the difference between you know partner not real sure about that previous partner and then obviously going to what I assume since it sounds like you're still married is a you know stable long-term relationship oh yeah How, how is that difference Um, this time I felt like it was a lot more, he wanted me to do this because it was something that I felt good about that I, I I love helping people in any way that I can. And if that means literally giving them eggs out of my ovaries, that's what I will do. And he was very supportive of that. Um, when we first started dating, I was tired of dating. So my ex and I were together for five years, my daughter's dad. Mm -hmm. And when we split up, it was just Men are terrible. Honest, like things like I'm such a good guy. You would be lucky to have me. I got to see every red flag before I met my husband. And I had finally just decided, you know what? I am great at this single mom thing. I am remodeling my house. I have a great job. Like everything's fine. I don't need a guy. And then I go to Oktoberfest and there's this guy with these big arms drinking Hefeweizen and I married him. Um, (laughs) So with my ex, it seemed more like it was, you need to do this because you need to make more money and support us. And I'm just going to get laid off from another job anyway. So you should make more money. And with my husband, it's very much not that way. So I was very transparent at the beginning with just so you know, I have a three-year-old 
I have who knows how many other children could be up to 150 theoretically, but probably not that many. (laughs) Um, And I had to explain the whole like egg donation thing that these are my egg babies, but they are not my children. You probably will never meet them, but you need to know that they're out there. I don't want any surprises. And he said, okay. (laughs) That's amazing. Have you discussed how you might treat communication in the future? I will say I was listening to another organization's podcast where they had a donor come on and there was not a donor, sorry. They had a donor conceived person come on and it was a really heartbreaking story about Mm -hmm. her finding her biological father donor and starting communication. And they started to like get lunch and like have a relationship and the family said, no, we don't want you talking to her like cut her off and it was really I mean it was painful just listening to the story so I can't imagine how painful it was for her Mm -hmm. have you kind of planned or thought I mean it's hard to predict like what they would want (laughs) how you would want but have you thought about future contact or communication well the 23 and me thing caught me really off guard because like I said I thought I had until they were 18 so that should have given me a few more years um but I was very clear with the parents that if they need any information, anything health related, anything that could be genetic, or even if they just want to talk, that they have they can get my information and I'm totally open to that. And I think I feel the same way with the egg babies. It's just I think I'm not mentally prepared for it yet. Um, unless it's like something medical. But if they reach out when they're 18, I think I'll be ready by that time. And my family knows, I even, I called my dad when I got that 23 and me notification and I said, congratulations, you have at least two grandsons. <laughs> and how did he, what did he say? How did he react? Well, uh, so my husband was in a crash and I opened this while we were waiting for the parents of the girl that pulled out in front of him to show up. And I, yeah, I called him and I was like, just wanted that on your radar. Cause I know you'll get the notification. <laughs> and he goes, Thanks for letting me know. I really appreciate the heads up. We'll see you at dinner. Did he already know that you had been an egg donor? Yeah, they found out by accident. Come on, tell us. So I I wasn't necessarily keeping it a secret from them, but when I told them I was pregnant with my daughter, I moved 45 minutes southwest of here to a small town closer to my grandparents. I did the math and I could afford to raise a child there with or without her father. Um, I could keep my job in Colorado Springs and just commute. And I did all the numbers. Like I was, I was ready. I had grown up already. Second, I saw that positive test and they were a little bit upset. They felt like I was running away versus doing it on my own. Um, so it was a little bit of a volatile relationship for a little bit there. They were always supportive, but they knew that things were bad with my ex, even though they never came out right and said it. And Um, I was nominated for an award in the small town I was living in, and it was a rising stars award for young people making a difference in the community. A good friend of mine nominated me and I ended up getting it. It was great. Um, I was endorsed by the County commissioner who's still a good friend to this day. And I didn't tell my parents about that, but my dad had set up this thing where like when something with your last name is put on a search engine then it oh, sends like you an email like Google or... oh. yeah. yeah and my maiden name is pretty unique so they were able to yeah he got the notification and was like why didn't you tell us that you got this award yeah. and I said well the award ceremony's in two weeks if you want to come here's the link for tickets and they showed up yeah. and in my nomination thing from my friend it said 
it mentioned about me always wanting to help people and going above and beyond. And she even donated eggs to a couple who couldn't have children of their own. (laughs) And my parents were sitting right there and I saw the look on their face before I went up on the stage. (laughs) Oh boy. And I would have told them at some point, we just weren't at that place in our relationship. But like some of my grandparents knew that I was closer to one of my aunts and my sisters. So I was working my way that way, but yeah, that was fun. (laughs) And did they bring it up? Like, did you get dinner afterwards or something? They're like, so about this bio, we read something Um, interesting. I think they brought it up a couple days later and they were like, why didn't you tell us about this? And I said, because I didn't know how you would respond. And then they kind of got that look on their face like, yeah, that makes sense. I don't know how we would have responded either. But I told them that I felt really great about this, that it was something I liked doing. And I was like, actually, I've done it twice now. So that was. And did you also share, you may have 150 grandkids. I didn't do that part. I think my stepmom had a hard time grappling with it at first because in her mind, it was not only is does this child have a child of her own, but she also is able to help other people have a family and I can't even have one. So I think it was, I don't want to say like an envy thing, but I don't think that she could wrap her head around it at the time. Do you know if they had considered egg donation or if that was part of their fertility journey? I think they had considered it. Um, I think they had even considered surrogacy and they had finally landed on adoption and that's where they were sitting when I told them I had Felicity hanging out with me. Yeah. But um, yeah, we haven't talked about it much. Now that I am struggling to have another child, my stepmom and I have talked more about her journey, and um, I, I feel bad bringing up all that pain again for her, but she's really supportive, and it feels like she's the only person who gets what I'm going through now. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So, ta- I mean, to the extent that you're comfortable, because obviously it's current pain, <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that, because you, you donated eggs fairly recently so then that means that this fertility journey I mean either you were going through it at the time or it's fairly new and again I'm not asking you to display (laughs) fresh pain so please to the extent that you're comfortable I mean talk talk about that and how potentially either donation of eggs may have affected that or even give you giving you more information towards this I don't want to scare anyone away from donating eggs if they feel like that's something that they want to do but I I can't help but think that some of my issues are related to that bad donation cycle that I had where they hyperstimulated me and then basically left me to suffer. Um, Before that, my periods were fairly regular. Um, Nothing like, you know, not on the clock, but, you know, at least within a week, grace period each direction. And since then, um, that was June of last year. I had that awful cycle after, which is really just my body getting rid of the eggs that they didn't get. And then I had some semblance of a period in October. And then nothing until I had my miscarriage in January. Wow. So that was my first sign that something was wrong. Um, When I went into the OB that I saw when I had Felicity, I thought he was great then. And I didn't realize that it was, he was great because everything was picture perfect textbook pregnancy. The second that something was wrong, he wasn't listening to me. He told me that I was wrong. Um, I told him, like, I, I narrowed down my conception date to one of these two days and they were back to back. So super close. And he said, well, when was your last period? And I told him beginning of October. And he goes, well, you should be about 15 weeks along right now. And I said, no, I should be closer to five. And he did the ultrasound. He goes, wow, it looks like you're really early in your pregnancy still. And I said, yeah, about five weeks. Yeah. And then he did blood work. And I started spotting a little bit after that and didn't think too much of it because, you know, internal ultrasound makes sense. But then that that was Friday. 
Um, Saturday, it got a little bit worse. And then Sunday, I got a call from his doctor's office that they put in a prescription for progesterone uh, because my levels were too low and they were worried that I might have a miscarriage. And I was like, well, guess what's happening right now? And I still owe about $3,500 to the emergency room. And all they did, I sat in the lobby for three and a half hours. And then they took me back and they put a needle in me, but they didn't hook it up to an IV. To the extent that you're comfortable, what level of, you know, follow-up have you been to see a, you know, an infertility professional or a reproductive endocrinologist to kind of find out either if there were any effects on your body or or where things are for you going forward? Uh, That OB was absolutely no help. (laughs) Yeah. So I went back to my primary care doctor and they said, we can't do a whole lot here, but we can refer you to one of these OBs. So I went and saw one. And she was great. She really, she listened to me and she said, I think that you're right. It sounds like you have PCOS, okay. um, but I don't want to officially diagnose you with that. I want you to see a reproductive specialist. And I said, okay, yep. great. Thank you. So they have referred me to a company that has a Colorado Springs location, but is based out of New York. And I called at the beginning of June to get an appointment. And the soonest they had was the end of August. Oh, so you're still in that process right now. Okay. Yeah. So I have an appointment in a couple of weeks. Um, okay. It'll be great. It's really fun looking into how much of this insurance is not going to cover. And I told my husband, Ooh. I was like, just so you know, this is probably going to cost us between fifty and twenty thousand dollars. There, there are two things that you, know, you could touch on in Colorado. You know, one, the insurance bill, and then two, the donor conceived person thing. Bill. Oh, yeah. So, can I ask? Do you do you happen to work for a Colorado company with over a hundred employees that has an insurance plan subject to Colorado law? No, I am HR and a benefits administrator for a company of 15 people in Colorado. And the company has grown so much in the last year or so that we don't even have actual insurance through here. Uh, We have a health care plan that offers preventative care and a a health cost sharing plan. So I have my own insurance outside of here, but it doesn't cover anything. I mean, the, that issue of affordability of fertility treatments is such a huge one. And um, so Jen and I, including other you know amazing professionals and advocates in the area, have really fought to have fertility treatment, preservation, diagnosis included under insurance. And in Colorado, two years ago, we helped, you know, in the success of passing a law that would require all Colorado plans to include it. And then this like terrible interpretation came down to like, no, because of this, like really like technical, the Affordable Care Act or frail, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't go into effect as planned January 1st, 2022. Um, And so then this year they passed a fix it bill to it to at least have it go into effect for the large group market under Colorado law. So definitely affecting a much smaller um, you know, population of people who do have mm-hmm. that insurance. But that one will go into effect January 1st, 2023. So there is a, you know, some group of people that should have fertility treatment coverage. And it says up to three rounds of IVF. So mm-hmm. it does you know, have some coverage for some people. But, you know, the stories out there, people getting jobs at Starbucks to get fertility uh-huh. treatment coverage, mm-hmm. et cetera, are, are real. You know. I honestly considered getting a part-time job at Amazon, and I, I don't have the time. I work 45 hours a week. I have a seven-year-old, a husband, two dogs. It's it's not right. reasonable. But I told right. them I was considering getting a part-time job at Amazon just because it's the only way that we can afford this without it being yeah. this huge burden on us. Right. Right. 
So the other law I want to ask your thoughts about. So in Colorado, there was this law passed this last session, the Donor Conceived Person Protection Act. And really the advocacy and efforts behind it were from people who were conceived from egg or sperm donation. And they felt that like the industry had some really poor practices and needed better regulation. And the law that will go into effect in 2025 says no more purely anonymous donations. So that starting Hmm. January 1st, 2025, all donors must agree that their identity can be known when an offspring from them turns 18 because of this belief that there's a right for donor conceived persons to have that knowledge and be able to gain that knowledge if they want to. Um, It also includes like that the fertility clinic or the fertility entity has to get updated medical records from donors every three, the check in every three years to be able to pass that on to the recipients and donor conceived person. Um, No more than six egg retrievals are allowed under the law, which is um, what ASRM guidelines are, but those are just guidelines now it's in Mm -hmm. law and a donor can't donate to more than 25 families. Um, there was definitely a lot, I mean, there's a lot of details and there's a lot more to it, but uh, there was definitely a lot of concern about how that would affect potential donors, whether they'd still want to donate um, and their feelings on it. Can, I mean, this might, I don't know if you've heard about it before, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on those regulations and if they would have changed your decision to donate or not at all. I haven't heard about that. Is that Colorado or federal? Colorado specifically. Okay. Um, I don't think it would have influenced my decision. Honestly, there are so many other things to be more concerned about. Like, how is this going to affect your body? And how is this child going to, are these parents going to love this child as much as I would? Obviously, if they're going through all of this heartache to do it, they're going to love that child. But um, I don't think it would have affected me. The six cycles and 25 families caveat is interesting, though. The only weird concern that I had when I went through this was there was a clause in the agreement that the prospective parents could use those eggs as they wanted. They could have as many children as they wanted. They could donate them to science. They could give them to a friend. And that part was weird to me. I didn't love that. Um, I will say I'm having a hard, as, a, as an attorney that frequently represents donors in these agreements, I like am having a heart attack at that because it is very common that when we represent donors, we change that term to say, yeah. no, I'm donating to you, but I don't, I don't want you to be able to donate to 150 other family, you know, whatever that yeah. might be if I have a huge retrieval. Did you have an attorney in the legal agreement process? I did. Um, the... In the compensation package, essentially, they cover all of the medications, all of the travel, plus the per diem. Um, And then, of course, the payment that I received, uh, they marketed that it was not for my eggs. It was for my pain and suffering or something along those lines because you can't sell body things. Um, But they also had to pay for an attorney for me. And the service that I went through had an attorney on retainer, and he was absolutely fantastic. Um, He insisted on video calls, even pre-COVID, so that he could see your face and make sure that he could see if you had any concerns rather than just sending emails back and forth. And he was great. He answered all of my questions. He was able to tell me, like, if you want to change these things, we absolutely can. Here's what I would recommend. Here's what they put in. And that was fantastic. It was nice feeling like I had someone who was in my court, even if he was being paid by the other people. Yeah. Yeah. Did they, did you ask to change that term specifically? Was that, did that get altered? So like, oh, I, maybe I don't want them donating to 
other other person I'm pretty sure I didn't change it and I remember it was really weird but I guess I was feeling like the prospective parents were vetted by the agency more or less and then eventually I realized like well I mean they're just eggs if someone wants to help their friends have a baby and their friends can't afford it who am I to say no don't do that that's me uh, the donating to science part, though, I thought that was interesting. I've always joked that someone's going to have to, like, dissect my brain at some point to figure out all of this chaos. So, I mean, <laughs> maybe the chaos is in the eggs. That's funny. Um, so, Stan, after all you've been through, do you have, you know, points of advice that you would tell others who are thinking about being egg donors? Or do you have any kind of advice you would give to yourself you know, six years ago. Am I allowed to name drop the service that I used? Yeah, sure. That's fine. Okay. I used Family Creations. They're based out of California, or at least the branch that I used was. And they are absolutely fantastic. They make everything so easy for you. Um, if you are scheduled for one in Las Vegas, please be very careful. The one that I had was not good. And I don't think I'm an isolated incident there. Hmm. But trust your gut. If something doesn't feel right about this, or if it feels really right, do what feels right to you. And if you want to help other people have a baby and it's in your ability to do so, I think it's incredibly rewarding. Just be careful if you sign up for 23andMe or Ancestry because they might find you a lot sooner than you expect. <laughs> well, and who knows as technology evolves, right? Like facial, I've heard right. of facial recognition having people show up. So <laughs> you just be aware that when you donate that... Um, if it's anonymous or no, well, one in Colorado, it won't be right. Soon. Um, but the, just go in with open eyes. Right. Right. And then I guess one other thing is if you have a partner in your life and they're not supportive of this or anything that you want to do within reason, of course, they don't want you to go skydiving. I'm going to side with them, but if they're not supportive <laughs> of this, there's a good chance that there are other things in your life that they won't be supportive of, like wearing makeup or wearing the clothes that you want. Wow. Um, This this is a good way to weed them out. (laughs) Right. The advice is not don't donate. It's um, get rid of that partner. (laughs) Find someone who is supportive and who understands what this means to you and cares enough to ask. And even if it's a little weird that they could have 150 biological stepchildren, that they realize what it actually means to you and the difference that you feel like you're making. That's the important piece. Awesome. Love it. Thank you so much for being willing to share. We love that. Like, again, we don't get to talk to egg donors that much. So it's always fun <laughs> to get that perspective. And I, I really appreciate that you are willing to be so open. And Absolutely. our hearts are going out to you and wishing you a smooth yes. fertility journey for you. I mean, prayers that they find something really easy to fix or have a path that makes things easier rather than harder. I hope so too. One thing that is exciting on our near horizon for Colorado is uh, starting January 1st of 2024, they have paid maternity leave. And I think that'll make a huge difference for a lot of women. That is very exciting. Definitely. Yes. So thank you so much. We appreciate you. Thank you guys. Have an awesome day. Thank you so much to Sasha for sharing her story. For anyone thinking about being an egg donor, I can't only imagine how how interesting and helpful it is to hear from someone who's been through it and what that journey felt like and looked like and what they would give as advice to others.
Yeah, absolutely. And her honesty was amazing. You know, that just, it, it wasn't all roses and, but she still really was, feels really good about having done it. So um, speaking of things that would make you feel really good, or would at least make us feel really good, <laughs> is if you reach out to us, uh, you can send us a message through our website. You can leave us a message on our telephone line at 303-997-1903. I will say I get very excited every time I get a little pop-up that a message has been left there. And it's almost always somebody trying to sell me a car warranty. So somebody put oh. put me out of my misery. Um, I also will say another way to connect with us would be to go to our Facebook group. And please, please go connect with us there. But I do have to warn people that I can't let you into the group unless you answer the questions. And the questions are simple. It is, what is your favorite episode? No, literally. But And then we ask why you want to join the community. And it is so that I weed out some people. I'm just going to say um, my favorite response always is because people want to help put babies in people. Um, That's a good way. Because I, I want to sell you a car warranty. Is that... They do not try to sell me a car warranty through Facebook. But now I'm waiting. Any of you, whoever next puts that in there as your reason you want to join it because you want to sell me a car warranty you absolutely get the bonus so now i'm waiting i want to see somebody try to join and do that (laughs) um but thank you to all of you who come and who interact with us of course thank you to our team thank you to tyler to melissa to amanda and thank you to you for coming and listening to us 